21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. The company per se, so what is the Intune and what your company actually, what is the technology environment or what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's mainly working with companies who have a remote workforce. So uh-huh. people working at home like you or like me today and who need to be secure on all the devices they're using for work. And we help them be secure and help them not get hacked, not get ransomed and be productive with the tools they're using, no matter where they're working. Could be at home some days, could be in the office some days, could be in between. So we help people work remotely, securely, and still be really productive. Get that balance right between security and experience. And when you say we work for, uh, what was your start? What is what is your journey? So you started alone or you were in... Mm-hmm. My personal journey? Yeah, yeah, sure. In the context of the company. So are, you are yeah. a founder and, and yeah. you started in the garage in Finland or New Zealand or <laughs> Africa or London or... I don't know. It, it, it was in the garage in New Zealand and oh. I had spent 15 years working for Nokia. You know, the, the Finnish company. And I could see an interesting thing happening that the, the cellular technology was developing, but people weren't really using their phones to do very much. They were just sending text messages and making voice calls. And there was no real mobile internet was not really a thing back then. So I left Nokia and I set up Mobile Mentor to solve one problem, which was to try and get people to do more with their phones and get more value from their first smartphone. And I set up the service called mentoring, where if you got your, if you got a BlackBerry, you know, back 17 years ago, um, one of our team would go down, go out and sit down with you in your, in your office, sit down for an hour and get everything working for you. Get email working, get your contacts, get your browser working, set up your numbers for roaming and just give you one hour of personal attention to get everything working for you. So you could be super productive. And, and, we that's did absolutely, that and that's absolutely a great model to start with because I have a problem, you have a solution, bam, bam, that's it. Give Correct. me money, bye. Correct. And so we, we did that for 1 million people. Wow. Um, over a few years in Brazil and China and different countries, some of the big markets. So we learned a lot about what support people need with their technology. And then it went from smartphones to tablets like iPads and then laptops and now we think about the mobile workers, people who have combinations. They've got a laptop and a tablet and a smartphone, and they're doing some work and they're doing some personal stuff, but it all needs to work. You know, all the devices need to work together and they all need to be secure and the person needs to be productive on them. And that's where our company helps get that balance right between security and productivity for people who work remotely. We tend to think that a small business doesn't have the same technology problems and risk as a big business. With today's distributed and remote workforce, that's not the case. Hi, my name is Craig Geis, and I'm the president of Managed Services at Mobile Mentor. When it comes to protecting and managing end users and the IT assets of a distributed workforce, small, medium, and big business are all faced with the same problems. Onboarding new employees and setting up and configuring their IT equipment. 
has always been a struggle and a challenge for the IT personnel. Now that we live in a remote workforce world, this struggle and challenge is even more complicated and time consuming. A poor onboarding leads to weeks of lost productivity for the new employee and starts the employee-employer relationship off on bad footing. Each business faces similar problems when it comes to securing and protecting their endpoints. Too much security can disrupt end-user productivity and lead to frustration amongst the end-user community. Too little security could compromise the entire state of the IT ecosystem and expose the endpoints to malicious software attacks or exploits through activities like phishing attacks, creating more user disruption, more downtime, and potentially data loss. Each business, small, medium, or big, is faced with finding that right balance between security and productivity. So I started the business on my own in 2004. I could see this opportunity. I got started. Uh, I did some pilots. I proved the concept. And then I went out and I raised capital. I raised uh, two, two or three rounds of capital, uh, some follow-on rounds. And I grew the business very quickly, uh, too quickly. And we got up to about 250 employees. And we were going really strong in Brazil and China. 200, Australia, sorry, and 250 in? In about four years. Wow, that's... Yeah. And we were Fast. operating in Brazil, Australia, uh, China, New Zealand, and it was all going great up until the global financial crisis. 2008? 2008. And then suddenly it was going terribly. And so we started to lose all our contracts and we started to have to retreat and really pull back from the market. And I had to make some very tough decisions and downsize the organization from 250 people down to 15, one five and then do a complete pivot and change the business model from that one-on-one mentoring that we were doing to help people with their first smartphone to become a managed service provider, which was helping companies manage all their smartphones. And so it was a huge change. And, um, and along the way, you know, we went through some tough times and I had to buy out uh, the other 29 shareholders because I, I needed to make the company small again and innovate and move faster. So I went through that process and took back control of the company around 2012 and then really started this journey of investing and innovating very quickly to become a managed service, managed service provider in the mobile space. So we're initially, we were just helping banks and airlines and companies like that to manage all their smartphones and then their tablets. And we were using some really cool technology, some of the leading market technology to secure all their devices. And, and something interesting happened in 2016, Microsoft came to us and they said to our company, hey, Mobile Mentor, we think you should take our new product. It was called Intune. We think you should take our new product to market and help us launch it. And I laughed first because their product was so terrible. It was a really, really <laughs> terrible product. It was very immature. But I said yes, because I could see the power of the partnership the power of being in partnership with Microsoft. And that was possibly the best business decision I made. And it took maybe three or four years to really get into the Microsoft partner ecosystem and get into their programs and all that, because it's very, very complex. But once we really got in, oh my God, it was amazing the way that they then started bringing us into their clients and introducing us to their big clients and bringing leads to us, bringing work, bringing opportunities. And, and that really transformed our trajectory. You know, we were growing nicely, but, but the business changed 
when we really started to fully embrace Microsoft. Um, that was a big, that was a big journey. Let's have a listen to Shane Sloan, the vice president of product and innovation at Mobile Mentor. At Mobile Mentor, we center our services around the endpoint ecosystem. So that means the devices, operating systems, apps, data, sign-in experience, and support that users receive and uh, use to conduct work. We focus on selling uh, specific measurable outcomes in each of our service packages, and we always try to come up with a fixed price model. We think that makes it much easier for a company to know whether or not they need a service. And all of our packages are designed to be a step in the journey to becoming a modern workplace. We really believe in moving companies away from legacy models into becoming a cloud-first, uh, zero-trust architecture company that can allow their employees and empower their employees to work anywhere they want. Ideally, work should be an activity and not a place, and everything we do at Mobile Mentor is designed to move companies towards that vision. Are there any any other important points from 2015? So as we got deeper into the Microsoft partner ecosystem, we started to understand the, the power and the value of being part of that community. So we decided to apply for one of their awards, which was partner of the year. And we applied for that in 2021. And honestly, we did not expect to win it. We were treating 2021 as our practice run. And we thought that we would have a real attempt at winning it and a real opportunity in 2022. But, uh, but we got lucky and we had a fantastic um, strategy and story. And we actually won the award in 2021, which was a year ahead of our, our goals. And, and it was wonderful. And part of the reason we won it was the work we had done during COVID to help customers be able to work remotely, improve their security, set up new employees quickly. And in particular in healthcare, we had some really wonderful stories about how we helped to save lives by the way we were able to help healthcare workers work remotely and take care of customers remotely. And Microsoft is a, you know, they're very big on empathy and, and outcomes and they love the story and, and that helped us win the award. And, and that was really a transition point, I think, because after we won that and we finished celebrating, I sat down with our board and I said, right, th this is amazing that we have this opportunity. How are we going to use it? Because we don't want to look back in a year's time and think, oh, we should have done this and we should have done that. So we had a lot of discussions around this may be a once in a lifetime opportunity for any business. How do you, how do you take advantage of an opportunity like this? And we decided to, um, to invest really heavily and try to double the company in one year. So you know, it took us 17 years to get to this point. And we thought, let's really lean into the love we're feeling from Microsoft and the opportunity we have to hire great people in the market who want to work for the market leader and, and bring on a lot more customers as well. And so we've been investing like crazy and we've pretty much doubled our headcount um, in the last six to nine months. Um, 
and um, and the business is growing very strongly. And I put a lot of that down to the fact that we won partner of the year, the fact that we can hire great talent, that we can win great customers, and we built all this energy and momentum in the business. This is Daniel McCarthy, CEO of Mobile Mentor. When we won partner of the year, we knew we needed to scale up fast. So we accelerated our plans to put in-country project managers, hire more engineering and technical support talent, and bring on board more specialist roles. Our ability to operate a global pool of talent across Australia, New Zealand, and the USA really helped us grow when, because we weren't restricted by the tough recruitment market. We also restructured our leadership team to create bigger roles that would enable us to focus on execution in each country and in each of our two business units, professional services and managed services. We also hired a people and culture manager to bring more discipline and capability into our people process, recruitment, performance management, remuneration. As we grow, we become a more complex business and we need specialists to be able to help us scale up that growth. We did that research study that I mentioned in an email about an hour ago. Yeah. So we just did a research study at the end of 2021 because we could see that the world had changed really quickly and people were working remotely. They're using personal devices. And because of the global chip shortage, they were forced to use personal devices a lot more. And then we could see that cyber crime was growing like crazy. And then we could see companies were having to hire and onboard remote employees they've never met. And some of them are using these personal devices and working remotely. And we're like, wow, that's that's a lot of big change happening in, 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 in the, the workplace. So we did a research study to understand what is going on and what's actually happening in the home office of all the people out there that should be secure in the way they're working, but what's actually happening. So we did a research study, nationwide study, in the United States and Australia, about 1,500 people in healthcare, education, finance, and government to find out what was really going on. And oh my God, some of the findings were, were quite amazing. So like, for example, we found that people, the way that people are managing their passwords is a real problem. Mm -hmm. Most people have too many passwords. And what we found is the more passwords people have, the more lazy they get and the more they're likely to use um, simple passwords and password patterns. And we know now that about 15% of people use their pet's name or some variation of their pet's name um, as a password. And, and about 67% of people admit to finding uh, easy to remember passwords, deliberately choosing easy to remember passwords. And then we found that 31% um, of people write their passwords down in a personal journal. And I think it was 25% of people um, save their passwords on their smartphone in a notes file in their smartphone. So it's, it's crazy what's going on with passwords out there. It's crazy. Um, that was one example. Another was um, how hard it is for people to get set up properly with their devices when they're working remotely. And we found it takes them about three days three days to get their devices properly set up so they can work. 
and they have to do, I think it was 3.8 support calls with their tech support to get set up. And even then it's still it's not big very smooth. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really hard for people working remotely. And then the other amazing thing was the, um, the overlap between personal life and work life. And what we found is that people are using their personal devices to do work and they're using their work devices for personal stuff. And we found that 46% of people let their family members play with their work devices. So you get this incredible blurring of the lines. And a lot of people are working and remotely. everything else. Yeah. And, and those lines are not so blurred for older people. But for the younger generation, it's amazing how for Gen Z and young millennials, how there's so much overlap between the personal life and their work life. And then that generation, they don't want to be constrained by security policies. They don't want to be told what they can't do. And then they're telling us through the study that they prefer working with Gmail and Dropbox and applications like that. So you got, you got real friction, real conflict going on between Companies are getting hacked and they're getting ransomed. So they're trying to be more secure. And then they're hiring these people who are working remotely and trying to find ways around their security policies and trying to find ways to make life easy for themselves. So you've got some really interesting points of tension going on that makes it very challenging for the employer. It's interesting. Few years ago, when I when I spoke with uh, entrepreneurs, we we spoke about lifestyle entrepreneurship, about remote work, but on the level of entrepreneurs. And today, after the the, the COVID, yeah. it's all over the place. It's yeah. And what what about the great resignation? What's going on? Can you share some some um, more insights uh, regarding the movement that we have in the States? And is it only in the States or is it a global one now? I think it's global, Martin. I think it's global. Uh, it's probably been analyzed and written about more here in the States, but I think it's a global phenomenon. And uh, what we learned from our research is that uh, Gen Z in particular is very interesting to study, right? Because they're the youngest generation they joined the workforce during the pandemic. So they graduated from university and they joined, they got their first job in 2020 or 21, or maybe now in 22. So they are often working remotely and they've joined the workforce in this pandemic environment. And so they did not know a life before the pandemic working in a traditional office. They didn't know that. And they're coming into the workforce and they've got certain views which are quite strong. Like they don't care about security. They care about privacy. And all our research data shows that they care about four times more about their personal privacy than they care about company security. Four times more about four personal times privacy. More personal privacy. And then when the research asks some questions around how often they see a security policy at work or security training, and they claim that they don't see these things. They don't see the policies. They don't see the training. And it's because they don't notice it because they're not, they're not interested in it. But when we asked them about how often do you see a privacy policy? Oh my God, they're hyper aware. They're super aware. They read privacy policies. They care about that. So there's a big implication there for employers that 
you know, as an employer, you're not going to be able to change the attitudes of that generation. And that generation are going to get older and come more and more into the workforce. And eventually they'll be the bosses and they'll be, they'll be the entrepreneurs and they'll be running the companies. So how do today's employers deal with that generation that would prefer to be using Dropbox and Gmail and ignoring security policies and saving their passwords on their phones and all that? There's some very big challenges coming. And if we want to understand what the workforce will look like in five years' time, we need to study Gen Z. They are the insight to the future. That's very interesting. I mean, when I when I getting into awareness my own patterns and my perception, I would never go into so so much details regarding policy documentation. Yeah. They they. Well, experience themselves differently or where is the difference what do you think i think the difference is firstly they don't read security policies at all they just click to agree ah, or they I click consent agree. And, and they don't look at it right they don't care it's not of interest and they don't remember doing it so then they say i didn't see any security policy but if you give them a privacy policy they will actually ah, privacy sorry privacy policy privacy ah, okay they will actually pay some attention ah, okay. and they care a lot more about how the company is protecting their personal information as an employee. They care more about that than they care about protecting the patient's information or um, the student information and education or the client's information and financial services. And we only surveyed regulated industries, healthcare, finance, education, where you know they, they have serious laws that tell them they have to protect patient information and they should be very secure. And so it's quite a surprise to see that people are quite relaxed about the security policies, much more concerned about their personal privacy. And what's what's the, if there is a main policy, so you do not have GDPR as we have in Europe. So what's the... We have federal, we have countrywide policies in the US, one called HIPAA in healthcare. Uh -huh. And it's all about protecting patient information. And a lot of companies here are following GDPR as well now. Ah, because okay. they know that's super important and they might have customers in Europe or they might have suppliers in Europe. So mature organizations are following GDPR and HIPAA and healthcare and FERPA and education and, and in, in the financial industry, there's a ton of different regulations. So of course they have to follow those. But what we wanted to do is not talk, not talk to the IT manager in those companies because I think we know what they will tell us. We wanted to bypass them talk to their employees who are working remotely and find out what's really happening. <laughs> what's really going on in your little home office a thousand miles away from the people in your company headquarters whom you've never met. This is Jared Peterson, head of sales at Mobile Mentor in New Zealand, offering my perspective. Remote and hybrid work will not go away once COVID blows over. New ways of working will have solidified themselves. And for the Gen Z workers who've come into the workforce in the last two years, this is all they've ever known. Our new normal is simply their normal. So those companies who are deliberate about embracing hybrid work for the long haul will be more attractive employers. It will become a competitive advantage in hiring to be able to offer good talent 
employee experience that fits the modern way of working. And that includes from recruiting through to day one on the job and throughout their career. The three things I'd probably recommend to any company who's got a remote workforce is firstly, improve the employee onboarding process by using zero touch provisioning. So what that means is when you're provisioning new devices for your employees and all the applications they need, you can set that up so that there's no IT involvement and you can set it up in a way that your employee can be up and running in one or two hours. So we know from the research, it takes about three days to get a new employee fully productive. And that requires many phone calls to the IT service desk. That can be simplified. We've done this for universities and for hospitals and government departments. And we know that it's now possible to ship a laptop, a tablet, a smartphone to someone's house. They simply sign in with their work credentials, their email and password, and the devices self-configure. And it takes about an hour, but everything is working at the end of the hour. You have all your files, your applications, your security policies are there. You, you should be up and running the first morning, not having to battle with three the technology days. for three days. Yeah, we know that works. We've been doing that all day, every day for the last two years, helping companies through the pandemic. So every company should be doing zero touch provisioning. The second thing I would recommend is going passwordless. Mm -hmm. As a society, we just need to get the hell away from passwords. Passwords are the biggest reason why companies are getting hacked and why security breaches are happening. And we all have too many passwords and we're being lazy about how we're managing our passwords. And so we need to get away from passwords. And what that means is we need to buy devices that have biometrics, like your iPhone has biometrics. It looks at your face and it, you log in straight away and you're not typing passwords. Your laptop can do the same. Every device can do the same. And then we should all be using multi-factor authentication everywhere we can and using applications that have single sign-on. So you sign in once and that's it. You only sign in once for the day. When we do that, we can actually reduce down to one password and eventually we'll be able to go to no password by the combination of your face and maybe your fingerprint and a code on your phone. And so as a society, we need to go passwordless because passwords were a great invention in 1961. Absolutely. But we found out in 2021, they're the biggest reason for companies getting hacked and ransomed. So we just need to kick the habit and move on. And then the, the third thing that companies can do is to be really deliberate about dealing with the use of personal devices in the workplace. And what I've seen historically is companies kind of sweep that problem under the carpet, ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist. And we know now 64% of people use their personal devices for work, but only 32% of them have security. Mm -hmm. So the gap in between are all the people who are exposed and they're downloading public apps onto an unmanaged phone and then accessing their email and their company attachments. And then they can save those attachments to Dropbox or they can forward them to Gmail and the company is exposed mm. and that's happening. Mm. So, you know, my recommendation is be deliberate about putting a bring your own device policy in place, involve your employees in creating that and make sure that you treat privacy for the employee and security for the company as like two sides of the same coin because for your employee privacy is more important than security for the company security is the most important one but if you put them together and say hey this is going to be a balanced policy 
We're going to make sure that your privacy as an employee is fully protected. We fully respect your, your privacy. And we need to protect the data that our, patient, that our patients or our customers or our students have entrusted us to take care of. And so being very deliberate and coming up with a good policy. And then I like to recommend, you know, bring in Gen Z into that conversation. Because as an employer, you can't change the attitudes of Gen Z. You know, they're going to win because they're going to flood the workforce and the older people like, like us will leave the workforce. So what we need to do is involve them and say, how would you word this? How would you explain this policy? What kind of tools should we, should we choose so people can collaborate and work remotely and involve them in product decisions in communication and crafting good communications because they know how it's going to land and be received by other people. So I think employers need to embrace Gen Z, learn from them because they are the window to the future. So our goal is to help companies get that balance between security and employee experience. And you'll notice our company name has the word mentor in it. And that's very much, that's very important to us. We like to mentor our clients and help them find the right answers. And in some cases, we help them deploy the technology and we manage it for them. But we want to help them advise and inform and educate people. So through your podcast, Mark, we're happy to offer a free workshop to any of your clients who want to engage us to, to help them with this journey. So what we'll do is we'll get a couple of our senior technical people to engage with any of your clients and help them understand and figure out how they get to that, that destination I spoke about, zero touch provisioning for new employees, especially those working remotely. How they go passwordless, getting away from all these awful passwords and how they get a really good BYOD policy in place for bring your own device. So they get that balance between privacy and security for their employees who have all these mixed devices in their lives. So we're happy to do that workshop free of charge for any of your clients. Uh, they can just come to our website and fill out a form and ask for me, ask for Dennis, and I'll make it happen. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.